If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. John Quincy Adams. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I am Cal Walters. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. Today I'm going to begin an exciting series on the concept of servant leadership. For the past two or so weeks, I have immersed myself in an exploration on the topic of servant leadership. I've been pulling out books and sections of books that I previously read on the topic. I've been reflecting on my own experiences with what I would call servant leaders. I've been researching the history of the servant leader model, and I'm very excited to finally kind of pull myself out of that research mode and share with you all of the exciting things that I've learned about this topic. And the bottom line is this. I think that if you adopt this approach as a leader, you're going to be more fulfilled. I believe that you're going to have more fulfilled employees I believe that you're going to have happier customers, and I believe that you're going to have a more successful team, family, organization, whatever you lead. Now, first I want to ask you as we kind of jump into this, what comes to mind when I mention that phrase servant leadership? Maybe you picture someone who's a leader, but also a servant who's out maybe getting you coffee, shining your shoes, taking out the trash. Or maybe you're like me and you instinctively like the phrase servant leader or servant leadership, but maybe kind of lack an understanding of what that looks like in reality. Maybe you're skeptical of servant leadership. Maybe you're like, hey, Cal, yeah, sounds good, but I've got a real business to run. I've got a real team to lead. I've got real deadlines to meet and real numbers that I have to have every quarter. Or maybe you immediately think of people that you've seen that are servant leaders. Maybe you're very familiar with this concept, but I hope that the things that I talk about, that they will just reinforce the things that you've already seen. Or maybe you can immediately think of people that you know are not servant leaders. Maybe people that are top-down, very self-focused. Now, before I dig into this topic, I want to first help kind of frame this for you a little bit and the way I think we should all think about this servant leadership philosophy. I want you to think of servant leadership as a mindset, as a philosophy that really just kind of undergirds everything that you do as a leader. Think of it as kind of the manner with which you view leadership, your role towards your people, your organization, your team. Obviously, there are many, many skills that we all need to have and develop and hone as a leader to be the very best that we can be. But there's really only one mindset that you should adopt, I guess, towards leadership. Think of this almost like, I don't want to get into politics, but think about conservative, Democrat. It's kind of a worldview. It's a way in which you look at leadership. And through this philosophy and through this mindset, everything else is filtered through this. It kind of forms the foundation for all those other skills that you need to develop as a leader. Think about technical competency communication skills, emotional intelligence, all these other kind of hard skills or soft skills that you need to develop as a leader, but this philosophy forms the foundation of that. And the reason it's so important, I think, to do your homework up front and really develop 
a philosophy and a set of principles that you can apply to your leadership is because leadership is just so dang hard. Leadership is disorienting. And the thing is, the higher we get in leadership, the more responsibility we get, the more difficult it gets. And leadership, I think, is really difficult for a couple of reasons. One, we're dealing with real people, with real problems, with real strengths, weaknesses, experiences, relationships, and they bring all of that into the work life. Number two, I think there's the pressure that we all experience as a leader. That pressure can come from your boss, it can come from investors, from competitors. If you're in the military, it can be the enemy, or it just can be pressure that you put on yourself. I remember the first few times I was in a formal leadership role, just feeling like there was so much pressure, so many tasks I had to accomplish. I didn't even really know where to start. And so what this does is it helps frame how you think in those moments. Leadership is also difficult because there's so much to get accomplished. And I think also as a leader, your job is not just to make sure tasks are accomplished, but your primary job is to step away and to make the organization or team better. As is often said, your team is kind of working in the organization and your job is to work on the organization. And as I talked about in episodes eight and nine of the podcast, when I discussed courageous leadership, a leader's job is to challenge what is for the sake of what could be or should be. So anytime we're dealing with people, pressure, and change, that is a recipe for a difficult situation. And not only that, but we also have our humanity at play. And as human beings, we all battle with our own kind of evil twin that is self-interested and egocentric. And that evil twin often gets worse and worse when that pressure builds or when situations get difficult. I remember being in ranger school and being surrounded by some of the strongest and most capable leaders I knew. But when you stripped away food, sleep, and energy, everyone was self-focused. And only the very best leaders who were firm in their principles and values and had really thought about how they viewed leadership succeeded in that situation. And that is why I think It is so essential that you and I have a solid foundation and mindset with which we can filter our decision and orient ourselves as we approach our leadership. I remember when I was an infantry officer, when I was deployed to Iraq, we made some leadership changes and we began to see some significant improvements in the performance of our teams. And I remember having this company commander who was kind of wise beyond his years. We were in Iraq and he said, Cal, leadership matters. And that's such a simple statement, but it is so true. And I have fully embraced that reality that leadership matters. And I want to tell you kind of about the state of business in the world that we live in right now and demonstrate to you how important it is that all of us take leadership seriously. The average person spends 90,000 hours of their life at work. Think about that. So much of our life And so much of our people's lives are spent at work. And yet, as I look at the key findings as it relates to people at work, several things jump out at me. Number one, people are stressed at work. In the U.S. alone, stress from work is estimated to be the fifth largest cause of death. And people bring that stress from work home, and it impacts all areas of their life, their family life, their home life. As the average American spends more than 100 hours a year commuting to work. Simon Sinek, he has said in the past, he says, when we work hard on something we believe in, it's called passion. 
But when we work hard on something that we don't believe in, it's called stress. And I see Simon's point that the more people are working in places where they don't feel fulfilled, they feel stressed. Now, I believe that some level of stress is inevitable, but I think stress in isolation is way worse than stress as part of a team that mutually supports one another and has good leadership. So number one takeaway from the statistics is people are stressed. Number two takeaway is people are not fulfilled at work. 87% of Americans have zero passion for their jobs. And 80% of workers will tell you they're downright dissatisfied with their jobs. And takeaway number three, I think highlights the importance of this, and that is that leadership is the biggest difference maker in people's fulfillment at work. For 93% of employees, trust in their direct boss is essential to staying satisfied at work. And over half of employees surveyed say that if they're not satisfied at work, they can't put forth their best effort. So a good manager-employee relationship can play a significant role in retention as well. More than half of employees said they turned down a 10% pay increase to stay with a great boss. As it's often said, people don't leave a company, they leave the people. And people don't stay in a company for the company, they stay for the people. But we have significant room to improve and companies are starting to take notice. In a study that was done by Ultimate Software and the Center for Generational Kinetics, only 53% of employees felt like their manager actually cared about their well-being. And in 2015, Harvard Business Review polled 1,000 U.S. employees about the communication issues that prevent effective leadership. And some of the top results included things like not having time to meet with employees, refusing to talk to subordinates, and having leaders who are not asking employees about their lives outside of work. So do a little bit of reflection for a minute for yourself. When was the last time that you had a leader, a teacher, a coach, a manager that you felt like truly cared about you? And then ask yourself, how did that make you feel? Back in 2008, a team of researchers at Google started a fascinating project called Project Oxygen. And they were trying to determine what qualities could be found in their highest performing managers. And many of these behaviors, I would say, correspond with what I'm gonna talk about when it relates to servant leadership. They found that number one, these people were good coaches. These people empowered their teams and didn't micromanage. They created an inclusive team environment and they showed concern for success and the well-being of their people. They were productive, they were results oriented, they were good communicators, they listened and they shared information, they supported the career development and discussed performance with their team members, they had a clear vision and strategy for their team, they had key technical skills that helped advise their team, and they collaborated across the company and they were strong decision makers. So I wanna start by giving you kind of a, a short history of servant leadership and that model. Robert Greenleaf was the lead researcher on the subject of servant leadership. He first published his seminal essays, The Servant as Leader and The Institution as Servant in the early 1970s. But examples of servant leadership can be found throughout history, including as far back as Jesus over 2,000 years ago. Jesus turned the leadership paradigm of his time on its head. At the time, leaders were great kings and people served the king. They paid taxes to the king, they praised the king, the king dictated to the people, and when necessary, they made declarations. The focus was clearly on ordering change, not inspiring change. And Jesus, on the other hand, modeled a very different type of leadership. He sought to inspire change through his example. 
to lead his people by serving them. He empowered them to go out and made them believe in themselves. He pushed them to do more than they would do on their own. And he was willing to sacrifice for the greater good. Now, other common examples of this type of leadership are people like Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln. But there are many other modern examples, and I will share those with you. I want to kind of frame for you what I would say organization one and organization two. Organization one is led by a leader who has adopted the servant leadership model and who has adopted the principles that I'm going to talk about over the next several weeks. Organization two is someone who is a top-down leader, someone who hasn't taken the time to think through the benefits of servant leadership and has adopted the top-down model maybe either intentionally or because they fail to really think through the benefits of adopting the servant leadership model. So let me tell you some of the things that if you were to look at organization one who has this servant leader, here are some of the things I think you would see. You would see people who feel inspired to come to work, people who trust their leadership, people that feel empowered to take chances, individuals who feel authority to be proactive, people who are willing to voice their concerns and communicate problems, people that share information and best practices, people that admit when they make mistakes and are eager to learn from them, people that share lessons learned to help others avoid common mistakes, people that are constantly seeking to improve themselves, people that are willing to do more than just the bare minimum for their team or their organization, people that are willing to share their outside life with their leadership, people that feel safe, people that feel appreciated, people that respect their leadership, people that feel pushed and challenged to meet their potential, people that are well-resourced, people that genuinely want to make their leaders look good, and when asked, they would say their leaders care about them. So that's the servant leader model. Now, an organization, too, that has adopted kind of the top-down leadership model, these are some of the things that you would see. These are some of the byproducts that you might see in that organization. People who are uninspired, people who are unfulfilled to be at work, people who sit around and just wait for guidance, they're not proactive, people who complain in private or in small groups but rarely actually bring issues to the leadership, people who are desperate to receive praise because they never get it, people that are fearful to make mistakes, people that hide their mistakes for fear that someone will find out, people who don't share lessons learned or best practices, people that feel threatened by the success of others, people that don't feel appreciated, people that keep their personal lives to themselves, people that are constantly afraid that they're going to lose their job, people that fear their leadership, and people that rarely go beyond the bare minimum when they're at work. So over the next several weeks, I'm going to share with you nine key principles that I have synthesized as I've looked into all this research on servant leadership and these models. I've boiled it down to nine key principles. I'm going to cover three in each session. And I'm going to try to really dive into these to make them practical for you, to give you examples of each. But here are the nine principles that we'll cover over the next several weeks. Number one, servant leaders empower other people. Number two, servant leaders give credit. Number three, servant leaders take the blame. Number four, servant leaders care about the whole person. Number five, servant leaders are generous to their team with their time, energy, and resources. Number six, servant leaders listen. Number seven, servant leaders invest in the personal growth of individuals. Number eight, servant leaders build a culture of trust. And number nine, servant leaders inspire. So I want to leave you a couple application questions to help you kind of get in the right mindset before we jump into the next episode on servant leadership. 
Number one, think of the best leaders that you've had, whether it be a coach, a teacher, a boss, and what were the top three qualities that they possessed? Take the time to think about that and write that down. Number two, think of the worst leaders that you've had and think about what were the three qualities about them that you did not like. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into this introduction episode of Servant Leadership. I can't wait to jump into the meat of this, so I I just want to encourage you to check that out uh, next week on the next episode of, of this podcast. I also want to say a special thank you to those that have subscribed to the podcast those that have rated the podcast on iTunes, and those that have taken the time to write a written review. Doing so supports the growth of this podcast and allows it to be more easily found by people as they search podcasts in this kind of personal growth and leadership space. Go and make it a great day. Life is short. Let's make it count.